last few weeks, and he's been coming on Wednesday night life group. Hello, how you doing? Good. Uh, he stayed afterwards Wednesday for a while. Oh, you're right. He stayed afterwards on our life group Wednesday, and he was praying, and he, he grabbed a Bible. I didn't know he was praying, but he was praying about finding a job, and he said the next day, the next morning, on Thursday morning, he got called, uh, got a job at Indy's, and he was so excited about that. And I said, can I use that as a praise report and also to show you the power of prayer, the power of fellowship, and the power of being just in the Lord. And uh, so, great thing, he's, he's just on the right path, and God bless you, my son. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's it, yeah. I mean, that's, that's something to be excited about, you know. The way God's working in our lives, and that's what it's about. And it's about the family and letting each of us know. And um, think about that and think about your life. Today's a little bit different. But think about things in your life real seriously as we talk about this lesson this morning. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to leave it as a silent prayer for y'all for the first minute or so. And then I'll kick in. And then we'll get into this word that uh, God's delivered on my heart for this morning for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this beautiful day. It's a wonderful morning for all of these wonderful people that you have breathed life into and that your son's blood is covering. And I, I praise you for just bringing all of us together in our lives. And Father, as we get ready to open your holy and divine word, we pray for, for its meaning to be relevant to each and every one of us. Help our eyes and our ears and our mind to understand what you placed there and what you meant for it to be for us. And Father, as we go about this service, the one thing that we, we desire to do back for you is to give you glory and honor and that you'll be glorified in this community and in our lives. And we, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The beauty and the brokenness. I want to take a moment, though, first to welcome everybody. We've got visitors in the audience. We've, we've just want to make you feel welcome. You are an honored guest. Each and every time that you have an opportunity, we pray that you'd be out here with us today. And um, heard a funny story before we get real deep into this. I heard a funny story, and I wanted to share that with you. And it was about a, a police officer who went on duty and... Uh, what he normally does is goes to the highway and sets up a speed trap, and it's a very effective speed trap. He usually has no problems with cars zipping by and getting a few of the speeders there. And so he sets up, and he's watching, and all of a sudden he sees kind of a backup coming. Puts the gun out, and the car's doing about 34 miles an hour. 
causing a problem. It, it's dangerous. People's wanting to pass and everything. And he says, I'd better go see if they need help, if something's the matter. So he pulls out. He gets behind the car. He flashes his lights. And then as it pulls over and he walks up to the window, he sees that it's a, a bunch of little ladies who are going out on a drive, going someplace together. And so he steps up to the window and he says, Hey, good morning, ma'am. Can can I ask you, is something the matter with the car? Why you were driving 34 miles an hour on the highway? She said, well, officer, and she was pointing to a sign up ahead. She said, you see, the speed limit is 35 miles an hour. And he looks at the sign and shakes his head and he looks back at her. He said, ma'am, that's the highway identification sign. This is highway 35 it's not a speed limit sign. And she kind of grins a little sheepishly, you know. And she says, well, that's my fault, officer. I, I thought that was the speed limit sign. And while she's saying that, he's looking around the car. And, man, the rest of the passengers look all frazzled and like they had seen a ghost or something. And he says, well, maybe they're thinking I'm going to take them in. So he, he says, hey, are you guys all right? You, uh, you look like you've been frightened. I'm not going to take you in or anything. And. The driver said, well, officer, that's probably my fault, too, because we just exited off of Highway 101. (laughs) So I guess that would make you a little frazzled. But anyway, the subject that I wanted to talk to you about today was beauty and the brokenness. And as I put this together and I finished it up, I thought... Why did I do that? Because as I look around, there's nobody in this room that's ever been broken. So no one's going to be able to relate to the message that I am preparing. But you know what? I decided to use it as preventative medicine. Just in case there was anyone that ever gets a broken heart or a broken life or something happens that you'll have something as preventative medicine for it what to do what do you do when you look into the mirror and you say mirror mirror on the wall and all I see is a hundred broken pieces and not my reflection at all when my life looks so disjointed that it's like Humpty Dumpty that sat on the wall and he had the fall and all the king's horses and all the king's programs that he has for society can't seem to put it all back together again what do you do where do you turn well I turn to the word of God and I see a man there named David that is a person just like you and I you know when you read about David don't think that he's different he's just like us did you know that David grew up in a big household that he was like the eighth of brothers and he had some sisters? Did you realize that he was the runt of the litter? That was him. He grew up with all of this and his family treated him like the runt of the litter. When Samuel was told by God to go and I've chosen a king from the household of Jesse and I want you to go there and to anoint him. Did you know that his dad didn't even bring him in from the field? 
he wouldn't even have considered him. He left him out there and he brought all of the other brothers in and paraded them through. And the, the oldest one, Eliab, came across. Boy, he was a big man, strong, handsome, rugged. Samuel's first thought was, is this is the guy. But the Lord said, nope, it's not him. And they went through all of them. And finally he said, Jesse, is this all the rugrats that you have? Because the Lord still hasn't said that I've come across the right one yet. And he said, well, there's one. I left him out in the field. He's the run of the litter, but I'll call him in if you want me to. And he said, call him in. Bring him before me. So they brought David before Samuel. And you know what it says, how it described him in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 12? It says there that he was ruddy in appearance and he had bright eyes and he was a handsome young man. You know what the word ruddy means? Reddish. He had a reddish appearance both with like his hair and with his facial features. And do you know what that means in Israel? You're a little different. You know, Isaac uh, and Jacob and Esau. So, remember Esau was a reddish man, but Jacob wasn't. Most of the people from Israel have dark hair and olive skin. He's a little different. He's the runt also. So I'm going to leave him in the field. No one would ever expect him to be the one that would be the king. So he leaves him out there, but he brings him back. You know why? Because we find out in verse 7, like it says up there, that God doesn't look on outward appearances like you and I do. God looks at what's on the inside. He looks at the heart. And what he saw when he saw this young man out in the sheep field, he saw somebody that had a heart that he could work with, that he could use to glorify him. And he's going to use all of the things of David's life as a representation for you and I in our lives when we have struggles, when we have brokenness as well. What I want to focus on today is Psalm 31. That was one of those times. If you want to turn your Bibles there, that'll be our text for the day. Um, but it's also on the board for you for your convenience if you haven't brought a Bible with you. Or if you just like to look and don't, don't like to have that distracting you. But it's, that's our text today. Psalm 31, verses 9 through 13. And in this psalm, our ruddy young runt of the litter called David, is under a lot of pressure. He's getting hassled by, get this, people. I know that's never again, never been a part of your problem that people have bothered you, that people put you under pressure, that people aggravate you. But just in case it ever happens, we're going to talk about it here. Because he's got them under his skin And as we begin in verse 9 there, he says, Lord, have mercy on me, for I am in big trouble. I got lots of adversity, Lord. You know, I've been there and done that too. Whenever I would get in trouble, you know, my middle initial is T, and it was always Daryl T. 
and then whatever it was. So until I was 14, I thought T stood for trouble because that's what they told me. That I'd say, what's Daryl T stand for? And it's Daryl's in trouble. So until I was 14, that's what I thought it was. But David's right here with me. He said, you know what? Not only am I in trouble, but my eyes only are filled with grief. Yea, not even my eyes, but my whole body, my soul, my spirit. Everything is actually consumed and filled and wasting away with grief. He says, my life in the next verse, in verse 10, is spent with grief. And that word spent there means you've spent it all. We have a saying today that would represent that as like, I've come to the end of my rope. You know, I'm, I'm out it. I'm at my wit's end. I've, everything in my life is gone on being able to handle this. And I'm done. I'm spent. And he keeps on going. He says, I can't shake it. I've spent years with it. This grief, this guilt. The things that I've done, the situations that's going on, I can't seem to shake it and my life is filled with it. And maybe it's not even just the things that you've done, but maybe it was the wrong place, wrong time, and something happened. And whatever the situation is, he's going through it as well, just like us. He said, all of my free time is spent hanging out with grief. I can't shake all of this. And I'm trying to keep it together for one more day. But oh, it's hard to keep myself together for one more day. He says, my strength is failing me. It is like a vampire that is actually sucking the life and the marrow right out of my bones and wasting me away. Not only that... Not only my enemies, but my friends, my neighbors, my acquaintances. When they see me, it's got to such a point that they run the other way. Because they don't want to be found around me. They're like a fat cat and gone. Got something else more important. Uh, Tiddlywink tournament tonight. I can't miss that. I'll talk to you later about your problems. You know, whenever you're really down and out... And you're rolling snake eyes in life. You really find out who your friends are. You really find out who is there for you. And David says right now there's no one there for me. Not a one. Enemy, friend, acquaintance. They all run away from me in my life. And they say, yeah, the whispers have came back. And I've heard what they're saying. They're saying that I'm a disgrace. That I'm shameful I'm a reproach to be even known to be associated with me yeah that's how low he was at this time he says not only that I'm a forgotten man they want to forget me out of sight out of mind verse 13 I put half of it up here but it goes on to say that they talk about me they take counsel against me they would even seek to do away with me And if that wasn't enough, verse 12 there says that I am like a broken vessel. And you know that's a reference to pottery vessels, the earthen vessels. And in the Bible they they make references to that of nations and of people. 
Because, think about it, we're earthen vessels. God formed man from what? Dust of the ground. We are of the earth, just like a pottery vessel. We're an earthen vessel. And God has chose to put in us as earthen vessels the message of Him. But anyway, He says, I am a broken vessel. Now, God, talking about His Son, Jesus, in Psalm chapter 2, says that I will give the nations to you for your inheritance, and you will break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. So there, people and nations are the analogy of this pottery vessel. In Second Timothy, you and I are described as that when it says that we are a vessel of honor if we have put away our old and we bring in the new life in Christ. We will cleanse ourselves from the old. We are sanctified unto the master and we are prepared to be for him a vessel for good works. With all that in mind, now back to Psalm 31, the psalm of our text. The imagery is clear about David here, what he's going through, the heartaches, the tragedy, the pressure from people, all of the brokenness that he feels at this time. And scholars try to, to anticipate what it was. Was it when Saul was after him? Was it when Absalom, his son, was revolting against him and causing trouble? You know why I think that it's not listed in the psalm? So that you can, I can put our trouble in this place and substitute it. Whatever it is. And that way it's not related to just one thing. But it relates to me. And what I can place in there that I am like him. He says I'm wore down. I am tired. It's sucking the life right out of me. And then bam. And you don't know how much I wanted to bring my staff in a pottery vessel and break it right there. And hold it up in pieces. But again, I was counseled that that makes a mess. Shards will be everywhere. (laughs) Okay, but it would have made a good point. Because I had to held up that vessel and shown, what do you do now? What do you do when you take a piece of pottery, an earthen vessel like us, and it breaks into pieces? You know, in our disposable world, they want you to sweep it up and just toss it in the trash and Go down to Walmart and buy something else, don't you? But you can't do that with your life. So what are you supposed to do? Well, you know, Jesus used stories and he used parables to kind of explain things. And I'm going to try that today. Bear with me here as we go on. I want to tell you about a Japanese shogun who lived in the 15th century. And he had a tea tea bowl is what history says. He had this heirloom Tebow that was handed down to him from, not Tim Tebow, but an actual Tebow, handed down to him from his family as an heirloom. It was a family heirloom. It was priceless to him, and it broke. He was dejected, but his people said, why don't you send it back to where it was made in China, to those that are craft at that? Why don't you send it back to them and allow them to fix it? So he did. He put it on a package and the proverbial slow boat to China where it originated and he waited and he waited and one day the package came back and he was anxious and he opened up the package to see what it was and when he opened it up he was distraught. He was disgusted because 
when they sent it back, it was worse than it ever was. It was a mess. And he just walks out of the room. But a servant of his, seeing how dejected his master was, took that broken T-bow and decided that he was going to try to do something with it. And he thought about it, he meditated, he worked with it and tried things. And he finally came up with something that he thought would work. He began that work of regeneration on that broken pottery vessel. And when he was done and he brought it back to his master, it would have looked something like that that you see up there. It was repaired the brokenness of that vessel. This gave work to an artwork called Kintsugi. Because that guy had took gold and a few other alloys and different things and mixed it up and used that to glue those broken pieces together in a beautiful way. And I want you to think about something as you look at that. The beauty of this regeneration is that it doesn't try to hide the past. It doesn't try to hide the pain, the brokenness, what caused the break. It actually wants to enhance it. It wants to highlight what happened and put it all out there. And that goes against common wisdom or knowledge or what you would think, doesn't it? But it wants to put the past as history on display to make it even more beautiful and more valuable than it was before the breaks occurred. It makes it in bold strokes. You know why? It doesn't hide the past and conceal what was happened, but it recognizes what happens. It accepts what has happened. Because if you try to hide it and paint over the entire thing, it's still on the inside. And it doesn't come out. But when you highlight what has happened in your life and you accept it and you allow it to be used for good, God can use you in marvelous ways. It doesn't try to hide the history, but it brings it out. It celebrates the renewal of who you are while it also shows the history of where you came from. Now... I don't know about you if you've ever been broken. But if you have, I want you to take a look at this. Of how God, think about how God, who is more noble than a shogun warrior and his servant, can put together his vessels then that get broken. Because you know what? You're not just an heirloom to God. You are an heir The scriptures up here tell me in Romans 8 and verse 17 that you and I are heirs of God. That we are to be glorified in Him. And that means those scars of the past are to be the beautiful work of God to show who you are now. It enhances that so that you in a way can glorify Him Through those things. Galatians chapter 3 says that we are Christ. And if we are Christ, we are of Abraham's seed. And that means that we are heirs to that covenant and that promise that he made with him. 
Galatians 4 says that you are an heir through Christ Jesus. And I don't know about you, but that gives me hope. That makes me smile. That when I think about my past and my life and the things that I have done wrong, that God doesn't want me to hide them. He doesn't want me to stay in them. Let me tell you that first. He doesn't want you to stay in them and accept them and say, I'm going to stay there. He says, the way you glorify me is to patch that up through the blood of my son and present your body a living sacrifice that is beautiful before me and you will glorify me with those things. Titus 3 and verse 7 says that you and I, and I don't think that we realize how important this is, that you and I have been justified by his grace so that we should become heirs with him for what? The hope of eternal life. Isn't that what we're all after? That hope of eternal life? We are justified and glorified unto that hope. That's what he's using us for in Christ. The restoration work of Jesus Christ is like kintsugi to a vessel. Now Paul, as he moves on and he's going to talk to Corinthians here in chapter 6. He's going to tell us this fact. Now I want you to listen close. Don't be deceived. Fornicators, idolaters, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. None of these folks, he says, will inherit the kingdom of God. Look what he goes on to say. But such were some of you. I don't know about you, but I like the past tense there. And again, that's emphasizing the fact that we all come out of something. We all come from somewhere, but we don't stay there where we're at when we come to Christ Jesus. We get out of that. And he says, if you get out of that and place your life with me, I've always told you I love the buts of the Bible. And here's three buts back to back. He says, such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified and you've been justified in the name and the power of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Think about that. The past is washed, sanctified, justified, and used to glorify our Lord in some way. God's kintsugi for your life. To put it back together, to make it more beautiful and more valuable than it was. He does that by, through the work of His Holy Spirit in our life. Now, God uses these things of our past to glorify Him. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you know why Saul, who became Paul the Apostle, was the greatest of the apostles? Think about all the apostles of the Lord. And he came at a time and he says... He doesn't proclaim that to be, but history shows us in the epistles he wrote that he was the greatest of the apostles, really. Do you know why he was? Because of what he says right here. He says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, Christ Jesus came into this world to save the righteous, the Pharisees. Right? Now what's it say? <laughs> to save sinners. 
And then you know what he says, of whom I am chief. The reason that Paul is the greatest of the apostles is because he was the chiefest of the sinners. And you say, no, that's not right. And if you compare me and I say, no, that's right. Because the way the Spirit has injected this comment in there, it is a fact. It is saying as a fact, this man was the chiefest of sinners. You know why? Because he thought that he was the best that ever lived. And that his way was the only way. And that I'm going to glorify God through the way I believe. And he was so proud that he cursed the church that Christ died for. He was persecuting Christians. He held the cults of the man who stoned Stephen, the first martyr in Christ. And he was going and taking letters and putting all Christians in jail. And the Lord had to come to him on the road to Damascus and knock him off his horse with a bright light, blind him before he could see. And he can say with affirmation, I am the chiefest of sinners. And that way, you and I cannot say that my sin is worse so I can't be forgiven. I can't glorify God. I can't be restored the way He was. No, God used the worst person in history for what reason? Look at the next verse. He says, I've done that. And I have received this grace so that Jesus Christ can show the world that I am the pattern to those who are broken and will believe on Him unto eternal life. If He can take a murdering, blasphemous, persecuting the church man who thought that His goodness would get him to heaven and not the blood of Christ and make him the pattern, the billboard the poster child, so to speak, of redemption, then what's the excuse for you and I? Don't ever wallow in your guilt. Don't ever wallow in your pain and the mire. But know that if God saved the greatest of sinners and made Him a beautiful billboard of service for Him, what can He do with you and I? And that's the whole purpose of why He went and knocked Paul off that horse so that he could use him as the greatest servant. So what about you? And what about me? Are we willing to do that? You know, David referred to it as his iniquities and Paul as the chiefest of sinners. They used their history to become the greatest servants for God. We always throw up the things that David did, the things that Paul did. But what about us? Did you know that there's a purpose for the things that you have went through? You know that you can be a billboard for God from the history that you have. You can be that beautiful piece of equipment. Are you willing to get out of that and to glorify God instead of staying in it? That's the question that I ask for all of you today. Are you ready to come out of the the sewage and the pit of brokenness to be a beautiful heirloom and a billboard for God. And as our worship team comes on back up, I know you've been broken. Me too. Ernest Hemingway, he was a great author. He had this to say, and I like this quote. He said, the world breaks 
everybody. But some allow to become stronger at the broken places. That's what God does when he restores you. And you truly give your life back over to him. He restores you and he makes you stronger at the places that you've been broke. And he uses you as a billboard for himself to glorify him. There's a purpose behind everything. And when you go to glorify God with that beautiful kintsugi. told you they don't want to hear the rest of this. But when God. now have the ability to help him folks that see you and what you've been through and you've become stronger they can now go to you as a mentor and you have the ability God has trusted you look at it this way God has trusted you with what he has put you through and what you have overcome to be a help to those who are going through the same thing and think that they have no hope And you can be the billboard through life. That's how you glorify God. And that's how you become Kintsugi. Restored by the work of the Holy Spirit. Paul says there that little in red that you might not be able to say. Jesus didn't make it out of this world from being broken either. Not a bone. With no bone of him was ever broken. But his flesh was ripped to pieces by a whip. Three spikes went through his flesh and muscles. A spear pierced his side up into his heart and broke that heart open. You know what it was that glorifies him now as he is the resurrected Christ? It's the thing that when Thomas said, unless I can put my hand in his hand where the scar was and my fist into that side, I will not believe. Jesus came to Thomas and he said, put your hand right here. It was the scars of his past. It was the scars of his life. It was the scars of the cross that glorified him as the Son of God. And it's the scars of your life that God uses to glorify Christ. He can say, no no one can deny the power of God when they see a life turned over to him and walking anew no one could deny Paul because the chief of the sinners was turned around and the same thing in your life that's how you glorify him and I pray that if you're ever broke or if you're in brokenness that you allow the Holy Spirit and the blood of Christ to be so much more better we it says that we are not put back together with things like silver and gold But we have been put back together by the blood of his son. The precious blood is the lamb without spot or blemish. And when you put that on display with the scars of your past, you become a priceless heirloom message for God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the examples that you've given us in your word that can encourage us that My sin, even though it hounds me, doesn't stand anywhere near those that you chose to bear them in your word as an example for me and what they persevered through. And Father, we just pray that in some way 
that the power of your word and the power of your spirit was here today to reinforce this upon the ears that would hear so that their lives will now be washed, be sanctified, be justified in a walking help and billboard for you to glorify you and to recognize where we have come from because of where we want to go to be with you. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.